And after a lovely countdown and count in from my guest this week, which you guys didn't hear, but I promise was very good and very professional, uh, we are here at another episode of The Mayor on Air. I am the mayor of Hinchtown, James Hinchcliffe. Joined this week on uh, on the show, Sirius 212 XM 209, with the driver of the number 83 for Novo Nordisk Chip Ganassi Racing, Mr. Charlie Kimball. Hello and welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, for being here. We are here at Road America. You can hear some uh, Mazdas and BMWs and Lotus is, leases. Well, I hear Mazdas, not Mazdas. Oh, do you now? Well, guess what? It's my show. You hear Mazdas, okay? <laughs> for the next for the next 22 minutes, you hear Mazdas, and that's final. <laughs> um, here at Road America, obviously for our triumphant return uh, the Verizon Car Series to the beautiful road course here. We'll get to that in a second. But Charlie, uh, in segment one, we, we like to talk about racing, which kind of makes sense. It seems very topical and appropriate. And I'd like to start off by recapping the last race, which I realize wasn't much of a race yet. Do we get to talk about Texas as a race because it was only 71 laps of a race and, and it's currently under a red flag condition? Technically, we're still racing in Texas. Right. I'm exhausted. So, I don't know about you. But. Dude, I feel bad that at some point while leading this race, I've been drunk. I'm going to say that right now. I'm not even ashamed to say it. Well, I mean, I'm a little ashamed to say it, but I think that's probably borderline inappropriate that at some point I have been drunk while leading an car race. Not many people can say that. That's That's... Yeah, being under a red flag for two months, something like that. So it's like seventy something days. That was more accurate than I wanted needed to be. But I appreciate the the accuracy. So seventy two days, it's I whew. I've been to the gym. Yep. Yep. While running eighth in an IndyCar race. You've uh, uh, you've been to the lake? Yep, went to the lake house, yep. Enjoyed yep. a weekend off while racing. Which was weird. Yeah, yeah. strange. Hmm. Bizarre. Yeah. So Anyways, how how is your Texas race going? <laughs> I think it's going uh, it's going all right. The uh, the the track conditions I think might be a little different when we go back. Mm. Um, but it no it, the whole Texas weekend was I felt badly for the fans. Yeah. I mean like they were great. We had a great crowd. Everyone was super excited. I think practice the Friday night practice got really exciting <laughs> really quickly. And then usually my deal, especially after the month of May and the doubleheader in Detroit, we get to Texas and we have most all of Saturday off. I just sleep in. I mean, I really like sleep. I'm not afraid to admit it. And I opened the blinds and I went, wait, am I still in Detroit? Why is it raining? Yeah. <laughs> because cause I have nightmares about it rain in Detroit. And I actually thought I hadn't woken up yet. And then I realized it was raining and I thought, oh, well, this will be fine. It'll clear out. It'll It's hot. It'll dry up. And yeah, the... It may not have been falling from the sky, but there was plenty of water in the air. It was humid. And, and it's, it's not even that. I mean, the track almost was dry. It's just the weepers were holding us back. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know that you can blame anybody for that challenge. It's, it's part of a racetrack that's evolved over the years. And, I mean, who would have thought that Texas was the race we'd get rained out at? It's, well, it's funny, right? Because we've, we've had rainouts at ovals before, going back to Indy Lights and whatever, and we we've eventually always get it in, whether it's super late that night or maybe the next day. Right. I've never had to leave an event mid-race and schedule a couple. I don't know if we've ever done that in IndyCar. It, it, like it's been races, we've had races on Tuesdays before, but right. never months later. It's bizarre. Yeah, it, it is. But I do think it's the best for the fans because they, they'll be able to come out on a Saturday night, see us race under the lights, which is always spectacular. Um, and I think with, you know, as much conversation as has been about the Dome Skids and the Ty Rub Blocks, 
it's pretty spectacular when the rub blocks bottom um, from the car and hopefully from the stands because at night I mean it just creates these incredible fireworks show out the back of the car not even like the scheduled pyro at the end of the race because obviously we haven't gotten that far yet <laughs> yeah it is spectacular when little chunks of titanium that are burning literally white hot hit you in the knuckles at 215 miles an hour that's a ton of fun it's it's <laughs> I, th I think you need to raise your windscreen because I didn't have any issues. Maybe, maybe. You're right. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. But but overall, the, the race, I mean, my race was going well. I think we uh, we missed a little bit on setup uh, at the start of the race. And so we came early um, and we were, you know, got back onto the lead lap. And then because the yellow was so long as they were repairing the wall, they we were sort of falling into further and further into a window and just running around under yellow waiting for that to come our direction um, it reminded me well, I was kind of watching the clouds and it reminded me a little bit of you in New Orleans where you just never stopped yeah. under a yellow you just stayed out and stayed out and stayed out and won and I thought well this this could work out I've seen this movie before and I watched I watched somebody else win doing this so maybe we'll try this there you go there you go well guys luckily you know if you missed it a little bit you get a chance to totally reset the car up and go back and pick up where you left off so that's good running nicely inside the top 10 so let's switch gears texas uh, as most of you probably know has been rescheduled as a one-day event august 27th we'll be going back to tms and finishing off hopefully the firestone 600 but now we're in elkhart lake wisconsin road america one of the most iconic road courses in the world never mind in america doing a lot of your junior category racing over in Europe. Have you raced here before? So my first, not first, but um, one of my best memories of junior formula racing, I won the June sprints here in 2002. In uh, what, 1600? Formula or? Ford 1600. And then came back and raced in F2000 in 2003 and won the doubleheader here. Um, and the track's changed. I mean, it, it's grown, it's evolved. It's just an incredible racetrack and venue and beautiful part of the country and to be able to come back and see the improvements they've made and and the new tunnels and i don't know if i'm going to get a chance but i'd love to do the zip line and that sort of stuff i mean it's it's great to see the stewardship stewardship of a venue like this which is fantastic i mean i i love this place i love racing here it's fast it's beautiful and you know, I've got a bunch of friends camping this weekend and friends driving up from Indy with their kids because it is such a great racetrack. Did you do the test here? Uh, I tested a in test last, last fall right. with some of the uh, older body work, uh, last year's version of the Aero kits, um, and then saw some video from last week, and I think it's going to be amazing. It's going to be really impressive watching the sort of modern Verizon Indy cars go around this place. So, you know, you were here last in a Formula 2000 car, a a bit of a leap up to an Indy car. It's different. What was yeah, that yeah. kind of transition like in your head? Because obviously in your head, you've got a track map, you've got a video, a visual of it all, and then you go out in something that's got like 10,000 pounds more of downforce and, you know, 10,000 feet short of braking distance and 10,000 more horsepower. <laughs> what is that like? It's a totally different racetrack. The straights are a lot longer because you come to power a lot sooner because you have a lot more grip and you go to the brakes a lot later so and you feel every part of the racetrack more the compression at the bottom of the hill coming up the front straight is way bigger than I remember even the crest over the front straight you get lighter because you're going faster the loads are bigger I mean the carousel used to seem like it took forever and in an IndyCar it's not that long because you're going really quick through there what was your favorite part of the track coming back 
Definitely the carousel. Yeah. And turn one, you know, fourth gear, third, fourth gear, I think, in an Indy car. I mean, it, it stinks. The, the first time I came here, I remember doing the track walk, and they're like, oh, this will be a fourth gear. I think it was in Formula BMW. And they're like, oh, this will be a fourth gear corner. And I'm standing there looking, and I'm like, you guys are nuts. This is maybe a third gear corner, like a low third gear corner. But it is deceptively quick, isn't it? Yeah, it opens up on the exit like you wouldn't believe, and you feed the car in, and it just flies through there. It's crazy, crazy. Well, very cool. We're uh, very much looking forward to this weekend's race. Quickly before we go to break, I always like to get uh, driver predictions. So, uh, excluding yourself and excluding me, so you don't have to, you know, feel like you have to choose me, which I know you probably would have anyway. Uh, what? <laughs> let's give your let's get your prediction for top three. No particular order, just top three for uh, for the race this weekend. Scott Dixon. Okay, in all three spots? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. If it was possible, he would somehow find a way to right. do it. Yes, I, I agree. Mean, the man nearly won Le Mans, and he'd never seen the racetrack and set a track record <laughs> after coming off of Texas and then going to test at the walk, at Watkins Glen and coming here. I mean, like... Okay, so Scott Dixon, I think, would be a popular choice in the top three. Yes. Um, Simon Pagano's got so much confidence going on at the moment. He's on permanent road courses, watching the way he drove at the Indy GP. I mean, there was just... A presence of his in the car at the moment. So, so Dixon, Pagano, um, I think Bourdais got a shot around here because while while he's never he's not particularly shown the KV's car speed on a permanent road course yet this year. I'd say he was pretty good at Barber, maybe. No, where was he? He was somewhere. But he has a lot of history around here. He won the last race in 07 and was on pole by a second and a half. And that was a field that had drivers like Will Power in it? Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like he's probably a pretty safe bet then. I, so. I feel like that's a, that's a really good choice. I like that one. That's a good one. Okay, cool. We are going to head to a quick break. Uh, back with more with Charlie Kimball after the break. But as we go to break, as is tradition, we need to ask you for a song to throw to commercial. The same song that's my phone ringtone. That is Eve 6, Inside Out. All right, Inside Out. Back with Charlie Kimball just after this. I would swallow my pride. I would choke on the rinds, but the lack thereof would leave me empty inside. Swallow my doubt, turn it inside out. Find nothing but faith in nothing. Wanna put my tender heart in a blender. Watch it spin round to a beautiful oblivion. Rendezvous, then I'm through with you. I burn, burn like a wicker cabinet. Shock white and also for rail. I see our time. No. 
Joined again by Mr. Charlie Kimball, driver of the 83 car for Novo Nordisk, Chip Ganassi Racing. Uh, interesting song choice. Thank you. I liked it. it. I liked it. Yeah, like, I remember high school, that was one of my favorites. It's it's kind of retro, but uh, I don't know, my music choice hasn't grown up as, as much as you have. I have not grown up. I've grown older. <laughs> true. You have to grow old, you never have to grow up. Growing I play up with race cars for a living, James. Very, very true. I we, we drive in circles for a living. That's that's what we do. Yeah, we go from point A back to point A. <laughs> we, we never don't go we anywhere. We never even get to point B. At work, we don't go anywhere. No. We we we're very we got a very uh, very repetitious sort of job. Is that a word? Repetitious? Very it cyclical. <laughs> cyclical. Repetitious. Repetitive but I don't know that repetitious is a <laughs> Buzzkill Brian living up to his title, ruining my day. Repetition. There's, there's a word like that, if that's not the word. It is a word. Boom. Buzzkill Brian can bite my butt. There's an alliteration for you. Google that one. Um, Boom. Uh, <laughs> so many bees. That's so bad. We could take this in a terrible place. Really. Broadwurst. We are in Road America. In Road America, all. some of the best brats in the country. I love that. Um, your high school music taste uh, hasn't changed much. No. Still into kind of the same things that you were when you went to high school in Camarillo? I actually, my high school was in, was in Oxnard. Is that still in Ventura County? It, it is in Ventura <laughs> County, James. And, and it, before you ask, it's between halfway between LA, LA and Santa, Santa Barbara. Barbara. <laughs> Nobody knows where Camarillo is. I know, but I know so well exactly where it is. You're welcome. Thank you. Yes. Charlie, Next time you're in geography trivia and they're like, Camarillo, California. You're like, it's halfway between LA and Santa Final Barbara. Final Jeopardy. Yeah. Roughly how far, <laughs> this is roughly the distance that Camarillo is from both Santa Barbara and Los Angeles. 
This is an inside joke, people, because Charlie and I have been good friends for a long time, and I noticed that every time people asked where he was from, he would say Camarillo, and they wouldn't know where that was. So he had this sort of, like, preset line that he would deliver that was, uh, Camarillo, Ventura County, halfway between LA and Santa Barbara. And I just heard it so many times over the years that it's become this, like, running joke that that's where he's from. Tell me about growing up in uh, Camarillo, Ventura County. Well, I, so I, we moved back to Ventura County um, when I was about eight and a half, nine, I think, because um, I'd spent a lot of time growing up in Europe. But growing up in, in Ventura County, and I talk about the county kind of as a whole, because my parents grew up in a little farming town in the county called Santa Paula. Um, my grandmother still lives in Santa Paula. A lot of my cousins, my, my other, my cousin Kyle starting a brewery in Ventura, Ventura Coast Brewing Company. Um, we've got nice most plug. of... Most, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know how much that's going to cost him yet. <laughs> a lot of free beer. Uh-huh. I got a keg right at the house now, so come on over anytime you want. I like, I like it. I'll just have him ship it directly to your place Perfect. then. Um, and so the county itself is... It's a beautiful corner of the world. I mean, I love it. There, there are mountains to go hiking in. Um, it's we were close to the beach. There's a lot of farming, so you don't get a lot of the the busyness that you get with a big city in the LA region. Um, it's it's a little more spread out than Santa Barbara, which is kind of on top of each other. Everyone's on top of each other, uh, and. I mean, I still love it. My my parents grow avocados out there, and I love being up on the ranch because it's so quiet and it's so re, rejuvenating, recharging, uh, and just just a beautiful part of the world. Um, and I realized that I left California <laughs> to move to Indianapolis. Professional reasons, I understand. And yet, I've fallen in love with Indianapolis. I like when my wife Kathleen and I talk about going back to California. That timeline keeps getting longer because we keep <laughs> finding things we love about indie yeah the roots kind of grow deeper and deeper in india i get it man i'm, I'm in the same kind of situation but you touched on something that i kind of wanted to talk a little bit about um you you were born in europe correct and so you did spend some of your childhood in europe uh, dad superstar racing engineer formula one all the rest of it work with all the greats uh and I, I imagine that was a huge influence in your decision to pursue a career over in europe initially yeah it, and it really started me in racing. In fact, my mother, who is a great mom and loves to embarrass me, uh, as they do, as as any good mother, mm-hmm. likes to tell a story of me watching the Grand Prix on Sunday morning in England. And I mean, I was a, a kid, maybe three or four years old, when I'd see my dad on the TV run up and kiss the TV. Um, <laughs> Something went wrong between then and now because I was a cute kid. Something, something <laughs> seriously went wrong. I wasn't going to say. <laughs> well, everyone knows it. But uh, watching all of that racing and having you know, wheel nuts and parts and wings on my dad's desk and on his drawing board, and he still has his drafting board. And, and to me, it was so iconic of what he did and the chance to go back to Europe. And, and he engineered and worked in an era, designed... Indy 500 race-winning cars in 80 and 82, and and one of the reasons I run the number 83 was because Chip's best finish as a driver was 1983 in a car my dad helped design. So he grew up in an era, or worked in an era of oval racing that wasn't nearly as safe as it was today. It was before safer barriers. It was before crushable structures. It was before you know the front and rear impact zones. It was before just at the, the start of even carbon fiber tubs. Right, exactly. And so his, as a father, and being a little protective of me, wanted 
to, to shelter me from that, that danger element of oval racing. Um, I think my parents also sent me to Europe to go race on my own to see if I really wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I had a great college opportunity for engineering, and I'd be able to work in racing one way or another. At Stanford, yep. And my dad's alma mater, my my aunt's alma mater as well. And so I had this great opportunity, and they wanted to make sure I wasn't just throwing that away for something fun. So take you out of your comfort zone. Send me to England on my own. Figure out all the stuff that's bigger than racing in Europe. It's it's not just the driving was the easy part over there. It was figuring out how to get a car and insurance and get around and public transport and a TV license. Like (laughs) I had no idea what a TV license was, but I still don't. You have to buy one when you live in England, apparently. So all of those things about living abroad was. A challenge and and I thrived and I, I loved it and and I was successful still in the racing and that moved my parents perspective on my racing so having your you know the kind of the beginning of your career happen over there uh, and then you know the, the diagnosis of diabetes is kind of what brought you back to the States yep obviously since coming back things have worked out okay for Charlie Kimball my question is, does, does any part, and I, and I obviously, I know you well, I race against you every week, I know your passion for any car racing and everything that, that happens here and, and, and everything like that, does, does part of you think about the what ifs, if, if you had continued racing in Europe, do you, do you, not regret, but do you kind of think about the, what, what could have been if you had stayed over there and what life would be like in Formula One rather than IndyCar? I, I try not to, um, because... <laughs> life's busy enough here that I've got enough to think about but absolutely you know sitting around sitting on a, a camp chair at the lake just reminiscing about racing and thinking about where I've been and, and where I am now you think about that but I I think one of the things that I love the most about racing is the competition is the wheel to wheel is going through three four five corners side by side with guys like, like you GP. right <laughs> like that and and being able to run and, and make a pass around the outside into turn two, into what, one, two, three at Detroit, that sort of stuff. You know, whatever, when that, I mean, I like being able to get out of the car and walk down the pit lane and give you a high five and say, man, that was fun. You got the better of me today, or I got the better of you today, but that was a blast. Watching the Formula One races, I watched the European Grand Prix last week and thought, that doesn't look like that as much fun. Yeah, I'd love to drive the cars. Right. They're, I mean, incredible. The technology, the money they've spent on developing. Amazing. But the racing, the camaraderie, the the family that is IndyCar racing, it would be hard to do over there. It, it would be a sacrifice. Knowing what it is here, it'd be hard to go back. Yes, absolutely. When you didn't know it's a different deal. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I totally understand. All right, we've got to take a quick break, which means you need to choose another song, my friend. It is going to be Yellow Cards, uh, Lights and Sounds, any band with an electric violin. Uh, I heard the, these guys play at the Vans Warped Tour when I was a kid in Ventura. They do backflips on stage while playing the violin. Yeah, it's, it's pretty spectacular. I'm a big Yellow Card fan. Awesome. All right, we'll go to that, and we'll be back on Sirius 212 XM 209 as, uh, as soon as the song is over. Be back more with Charlie Kimmel right after this. Hello, you. How was the rest? You made it through, but nevertheless, I got you out on a wire. You be love and I'll be a liar. Tell it all and fill up the air. But make it loud, cause nobody's there. Nobody's there. 
are back. Nice little tune from Yellow Card there. Thank you, Charlie, for that. Uh, back, of course, with Charlie Kimball, Mayor on Air. I am the Mayor, James Hinchcliffe, and we are now in segment three, a little thing we like to call Trick or Tweet. And how this works is you, as the guest, get to choose. You either get to do and perform an elaborate magic trick for myself and all of the listeners impromptu right now, or you can answer fan questions from Twitter. Well, that's that's a tough one because I I brought my deck of cards. You like mm, I said elaborate. I want to see like elephants disappear and I want flames and people being cut in half. What I want is to be able to turn a full size ele- elephant into a miniature one about the size of a dog. That would be amazing. for my backyard. That would be amazing. But science isn't quite there yet, so we'll do fan questions from Twitter. Fine. Yet, though, was the important yes. thing I said there. Okay. Yet. This is one of the best uh, collections of fan. Thank uh, you, Twitter Sphere. Thank you, Twitter Sphere. And again, so guys, sorry for all the noise in the background. We are at a racetrack. Uh, Pearly World Challenge is on track. <clears throat> we are making do with what we've got. Okay, r- from the top. Uh, Zoe Hamilton says, Hello, Charlie and James and Buzzkill. Nice shout out to Buzzkill Brian. Uh, one question this time. With your dad working at various top teams in IndyCar and F1, what's the coolest thing you got to do or get away with when you were a kid in the paddock? Um... One year at the Silverstone Grand Prix when I was a kid and my dad was working at McLaren, he drove home from the racetrack at like 1 or 2 a.m. before they had lockout hours at the racetrack, uh, Saturday night, and then my mom, my dad, my older sister, and I helicoptered to Silverstone for the race. And that was, still gives me goosebumps how cool an experience that was. (laughs) That would have been cool, flying into the track in the morning. Choppering in a la Ryan Hunter Ray. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, Courtney Spencer would like to know, if you were to form an IndyCar boy band, who would you pick to be in it and what role would they play, i.e. the hot one, the older one, the bad boy, etc.? Joseph Newgarden's got to be the front man. I mean, that... He's that, the lead singer. Yeah, he's the front the, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The, the blue steel he throws down is... 100%. Wow. Okay. Who's the bad boy? Um... I think Montoya would be awesome in that role. So he's a bad boy and the older one then, because let's be honest, I wouldn't know if I'd put him in a quote-unquote boy band. He's a man band. Is well, that, yeah, yes, is that what you're trying is, to say, James? A man band? Man band? Okay, well, all right. And I know, so so Elio would be the older one and the lead dancer. Copy. That's course. pretty easy. Yeah. Um, I feel like... You could very easily be the guy that throws couches out of hotel rooms. Okay, so I'm I'm the one that that destroys hotel rooms. Yeah, Rockstar style. Yeah, you're gonna be like, I'm it, like the Joe Walsh of the Eagles. Yeah, like I was gonna say, Travis Barker was he the one who destroyed drum sets at the end of shows? Yeah, like yeah, light probably. drum sets on fire. That, that would be. That does, I do like fire. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I do like. Yeah, fire. you have a lighter on your helmet. Yes, I know I do. this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we've got Joseph, Elio, you. Um, and one more. Oh, I think just for the drama of it, you put Alexander Rossi in there as the the second front man. Okay, like the like the, he's like the yin and yang. He, yeah, he's like the darker, yeah. moodier. Yeah, right. I like it. And I could just be like the sound engineer because I'm a big nerd and <laughs> can't sing at all. Perfect, perfect. All right, uh, Cheryl would like to know, and dude, it is unbelievable. Unless you know who Cheryl Feldhands is. Yeah, it's my mother-in-law. Okay, that would be why she's asking, how's the big green egg doing? Yeah, so um, (laughs) for those of you that live in central Indiana, there was a bit of a storm that came through town last night. We have a 50-foot tree in our backyard that's now 50 horizontal feet. (laughs) It's 50 feet wide. Right, right. So uh, it came down on my big green egg, and 
I cry. It shattered. Shattered. It shattered the egg? Shattered the egg. Like... Are all the it, king's it, horses and all the king's <laughs> men coming to put Charlie's green egg together again? I don't think they can even... I don't think they can do anything for Humpty Dumpty's oh, egg. Oh, God. Did you name your big green egg? You should name the next one. I Yeah. Because you're going to get a new one, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. Because that thing yeah. was pretty awesome. It, it is awesome. Well, Cheryl, thank you for bringing up the painful memories of uh, Charlie's former big green egg. May Humpty. it rest in pieces. Uh, so, we have a we have a Twitter question here. Who has better glutes, and how can I tone up my woman's? <laughs> um, this is these are your questions, Charlie. I'm just I'm just asking them. <laughs> Wait, between you and I, I'm assuming it doesn't specify. Jim does not tell us exactly who he's referring to. <laughs> Would that be Jim Leo of PitFit Training? It might be. His uh, email is jleo, jleo at pitfit.com. So. Well, when it comes to the bench, yes. James outbenches me because, frankly, he walks into the gym every morning and says, let's bench. Right, yes. Okay, and, okay we're, doing, we're doing treadmill intervals today, James. Cool. Before or after bench. Right. Right. And I walk in and go, so straight squat. to the squat rack? <laughs> so I feel like... You probably I, got a better... You got better glutes. Yeah, but, I mean, when it comes down to the, the pecs, you're you're just right. You're That's, on point. And then, but so, how do I tone up my woman's... I don't know. We both know Christy, and I think she looks just phenomenal the way she is, Jim. So yeah. appreciate her for who and what she is, and quit trying to change her, you jerk. That's <laughs> All right. Next that, that question. That was bold. Your bill just went up for next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forget that he's the one that's in control of how much pain I'm in right, every right, morning right. when I go to the gym. Yes. All right. Will Power would like to know, to be fair, it's fake Will Power, but his email comes up as Will Power. How many, t- how many times a weekend, this is again so funny because we talk about this regularly, how many times a weekend do casual fans come up to you and think that you are Hitch? <laughs> Have you ever signed his name when they've asked for your autograph? Um, it happens roughly five to ten times a weekend. That, and, and not only, not people coming up for an autograph, but like, good luck, Hinge. And half the time, I'm like, thanks. I'll pass it on. <laughs> I'll yep. text him. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'll let you know. I feel like since you switched to the black suit, that also probably increased the number that we Absol- both get it now. Absolutely. Going to the black and green car in the black fire suit, I think we get it a little bit more. Um, I do think we need to print business cards from our IndyCar video yes. f- with J.R. Hildebrand uh, from a few years ago because that was... But I've, I have yet to sign your name, although when people think I'm you, I feel like it gives me a right to be a bigger jerk. Right. So that pretty soon it's going to get around the IndyCar paddock. You which know that is, James Hinchcliffe's a real punk. Which is why all my Twitter hate t- tweets have gone up recently. Okay, final question uh, comes from a very, very dear person in both our lives, actually. Uh, probably more yours. Uh, <laughs> I would hope so. But your wife, Kathleen, would like to know, was there an exact moment when you would pick uh, as the moment your bromance bloomed? And if so, what was it? Between James and I, I presume. Yes. <sighs> was there a moment? Did we have that that meet cute kind of kind of moment? I, ooh. Was it the day we built Stefan Wilson a cardboard? It, it was. <laughs> I, I, I believe that the, there were sparks, but when it turned into a full raging inferno was right. when we built Stefan Wilson an apartment within our apart, my apartment out of 
Ikea cardboard boxes. Yes. Um, it's ironic because it was about half the height of the ceilings of your apartment, and Steph is about twice the height of either of us. Correct. He, it was kind of, a, he had to crawl in on his knees, but he did have a letterbox mm-hmm. and, and an official address. I registered it with the U.S. Post Office. It was... I think we gave him a seat. I think there was a chair in there. It was there, a small one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it was a blow-up. Right. What? I think it was an inflatable chair. Right. And and the packing paper we turned into linens for his bed on the floor. Right. Uh, but as, as we sat there and, and sketched this thing out and executed on it, I think you're right. That could very well be the moment it all it all exploded. Absolutely. I mean, that was, well, when you put flame to gasoline, <laughs> it, it just, you never know where it's going to go. That's what happens. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Charlie Kimmel, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, everyone, on Twitter for submitting your questions. And thanks all for listening to The Mayor on Air, Sirius 212XM2 and We'll be back next week with a little more action. Thanks for tuning in.